Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Energy and enthusiasm at the 8 a.m. We will see, my friends, we will see. Christmas 1987, my parents bought me this Bible as a gift. I remember thinking it was a really odd thing to do at the time, because I was most definitely not a Bible guy in Christmas of 1987. It sat on my shelf for 13 months collecting dust. Well, I actually did open it once in a while uh, to play Bible roulette. Okay, now I don't know if you've ever played Bible roulette, but it's pretty simple. What you do is you close your eyes and you just open the Bible to a specific passage and just put your finger on it and you look for a fortune cookie type piece of advice or something like that, you know? The problem with playing Bible roulette, however, is that right in the middle of the Bible is the Old Testament book of Psalms. And so if you're not thinking about it, you're almost always gonna turn to Psalms, okay? And if you're really unfortunate, you're gonna eventually put your finger on Psalm 38, verse seven, which says, I have a painful disease in my loins. Okay, so that pretty much ended my Bible roulette career right there. So it sat on my shelf for about 13 months. Every time I would look at it, though, there was something significant to it, about it to me. And 13 months later, after Christmas 1987, I became definitely a Bible guy. And since then, this Bible has traveled a lot of miles with me. I spent a lot of time in this Bible, so much so that I eventually wore the front cover right off of the Bible, because that's how good a Christian I am, right there, you know that? (laughs) If your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't. There you go, there you go. (laughs) Anyways, I got it recovered, and I asked if they would put the same inscription on the new cover as my parents had put on the old cover. And it just says, Michael J. Manis, that's my name, and then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Not really a nostalgic person, but this is one of my prized possessions. And if you ask me to pick the passage out of the Bible that's the most personal, it would probably be this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When I look back at my parents giving me this gift, I realize now that it was an act of faith, hope, vision, but most of all, love. And so what I wanna do today as we are preaching our way through Proverbs is I wanna present this passage to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, in the same way that my parents presented it to me back in Christmas of 1987. I wanna give it to you with faith, hope, vision, but most of all, I wanna give it to you with love. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I wanna go through it step by step today. In a spirit of love for you, whether you're joining us in person or online, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. We have an interesting concept of faith in our culture, right? Faith, like if I turn to you and I ask you, hey, is, is that person, uh, is, he a, is, is, he, is he a person of faith? You would think I was asking you, is he a church person, right? And if he was a church person, you'd say yes. 
But if he wasn't part of an organized religion, you would go, no, he's not really a person of faith. However, that is a misunderstanding of the concept of faith. And if you're going to understand the Bible, specifically, if you're going to understand Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you should probably understand what faith is. Because we are all people of faith. Right? Like, if I lean against this podium right now, that's an act of faith. I'm believing this podium will hold me up. When you sat down today, whether you're online or in person, you had a certain amount of faith that the chair would hold you up. We, we are all people of faith. The question is only, where is your faith placed? Where do you place your faith? For me, I believe that God spoke the universe into existence, that he's the unmade maker, the uncreated creator, the undesigned designer, that in a universe full of cause and effect, if you go back far enough, there has to be a first cause. I believe God is that first cause. And I believe that when God spoke the universe into existence, he created it according to this pattern that we call reality. In, in other words, there, there is good and bad, there is right and wrong, there is true and false, there is wise and foolish. That's a statement of faith I'm making. But someone else might say, no, I don't believe in that. I believe we're all just a random collection of molecules. I believe that everything you see, I believe that I myself and even the brain I'm using to state this is a result of time plus matter plus chance. That is also a statement of faith. Or someone else might say, I don't believe in a first cause and, and I don't believe in this pattern that you call reality. I don't believe in right and wrong. I don't believe in good and bad. I don't believe in true and false. I don't believe in wise and foolish. What's good for you is good for you. What's true for you is true for you. What's right for you is right for you. What's wise for you is wise for you. That's also a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith that either there is no God or the God who did create everything, the first cause is a God of chaos, a God of disorder. Someone else might say this, there is no way anyone can truly know. That is also a statement of faith. We are all people of faith. The only question is where is your faith. See, for me, I looked back at history. I looked around me, and I see a world full of beauty, but also ugly. A world full of love, but also hate. A world full of light, but also darkness. Hope, but also despair. Life, but also death. And then I look at Jesus. I look at his birth and his life his teaching, his death and resurrection. I look at Jesus and I remember that Jesus said, I am the son of God. He, he predicted his own death and resurrection and then he pulled it off. I, I look at Jesus who says, I stand above and beyond it all. I look at Jesus who promises that he can make beauty out of ugly, bring love out of hate, bring light out of darkness, can bring hope out of despair, can bring life out of death. And I chose to place my faith in him. And something really profound happens when we place our faith in Jesus. You've maybe heard it described this way before. You gotta believe it to see it. Years ago, the best hockey player in the world was a member of the Calgary Flames, Jerome Aguinla. And I know I'm a big Oilers fan and I probably shouldn't have done this, but when the Flames made their big run to the Stanley Cup final, I jumped on the bandwagon. I cheered for the 
flames. Seems hard to believe even as I say it. And one of the reasons I did, though, was because of Jerome McGinley. Like, every time he got interviewed, I, I thought to myself, man, he seems like such a cool guy. Like, truly nice person. A couple summers later, after the Flames made their run to the cup final, we were in Kelowna visiting some family friends. And our sons, Lucas and Gabe, were hanging around their two sons, Reed and Drew. Reed, Drew, and Lucas were all around 11, 12 years old. Gabe was six years old at the time. And they were spending some time over at the place of some family friends. They lived in this beautiful place right on Okanagan Lake. And Drew says to Reed and Lucas and Gabe, hey, do you guys want to meet Jerome McGinley? And they're like, yeah, what do you mean? He said, well, he, he lives just four doors down. There's, there's, a, there's a big gate, so you can't get in with your car or walking. You can't walk down the beach because there's a big fence. But Drew says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the dinghy, okay? We're going to take the dinghy out of the lake. We're going to go around the fence. We're going to like put the dinghy on the shore and walk up to Jerome Aginla's front door. And they all agreed without asking, so they took off on their dinghy, okay? So it's the row, row, row your dinghy, okay? So they, they, they pull up on Jerome McGinley's beach. They walk up to his front door. They hear the sound of a vacuum cleaner. They look in, and there's Jerome McGinley vacuuming his house. They knock, and they start ringing the doorbell. Now, before I tell you the rest of the story, can we look at it a little bit from Jerome McGinley's perspective? Okay? Like... The guy was in the spotlight all the time. He probably loved his place in Kelowna. He loved the fences, the gate, a little bit of peace and quiet. And I'm quite sure that he had other plans for that day other than entertaining four wingnuts who dingied over to his place. Okay? So they're knocking and they're ringing the doorbell. Jerome McGinley comes and he opens the door. He says, hey guys. My son Gabe, six years old, looks up and says, you're Jerome McGinley. He's like, yes, I am. You know what Jerome McGinley did next? He hung out with those four boys for about 20 minutes. He got them some lemonade, and he made their summer. Before that happened, I would have said to you, Jerome, Jerome McGinley seems like a cool guy, but now I can tell you that he is. Now, the same thing happens when we put our faith in Jesus. It, it's so powerful because when we do, we actually come to know him. And when we know him, our faith goes from faith to trust, which is a big deal, right? Andy Stanley says it this way. When you know who Jesus is, you do what Jesus says. See, trust is such an action word. Faith is a belief, but trust is that outward expression of that inside knowing. Trust means that I'm not just believing in Jesus, but I'm actually acting on that belief. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. There's something about you. There's something about me. We don't love faith. I don't like to take things on faith, do you? I like certainty. I want to be sure, right? And I would suggest to you today that certainty, the only problem with that, the only problem with that is certainty is an illusion. Certainty is actually an illusion, for some of you who are new-ish to Southside Church, you might not know this, but before COVID, we used to meet in Sardis Secondary School. It was a smaller venue. We met in the gymnasium for the adult service. And, and I think we had four services at one point, 8, 9, 30, 11, 12, 30. 
In between services, I would hang out in the boys' locker room just off the gym at Sardis Senior. My overarching memory of that place is a smell. Stale urine and teenage boys B.O. Okay, that's what, the, that's, what it, on it, that's what it smelled like. And so I'd sit there between services. Sometimes Dave Poole would come and hang out with me. But then right around the time COVID hit, we were breaking ground on this place. And then when the restrictions were lifted, this place was pretty much ready to be. It was pretty crazy timing, actually. This place is a lot different than Sardis Secondary. Like my office, for an example, doesn't smell like stale urine. And uh, teeny, I mean, I don't think it does. You know, you can go nose blind, they say, right? But I, I, don't, I don't think it does. From the time that we moved in here, the tech team, tech teams love tech. That's one thing you gotta know about a tech team. They love tech. So the tech team says, hey, Mike, there's this one feature you gotta use. You gotta use this feature, Mike. It's amazing. So back there, you've probably never seen it. And why would you have? There's a, there's a little blue light, okay? Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, so there's a little blue light, panel of light, and, and it turns from blue to green. It's called a go light. When, when that panel turns from blue to green, it means, Mike, Go, step onto the stage, okay? And so the tech team says to me, man, it's, it's so cool, it's so awesome, use the go light. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I don't want to, I don't trust it. Okay, so, so ever since we moved in here, I, I always have a person back there who's just like, okay, Mike, go. Because I get a little bit unfocused at times, okay? So they're just there, like, it, it's time to go, Mike, okay? But every month or so, the tech team is like, Mike, it's a go light, it's so cool, like, just use it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Not going to. Finally, two weeks ago, I'm like, okay, okay, you guys have won me over. You know, I'll use the go light. So first service comes, and I'm just locked in on this blue light. I'm just staring. Dave Poole's doing his live announcements, and there's this sermon intro video. Boom, turns green. I walk out. I'm like, wow, like this is amazing. This whole technology thing could catch on. I mean, this is so <laughs> cool. Second service comes. Dave Poole's out there doing live announcements. I'm locked in on that blue light again. I'm just ready to go. He comes off. I give him a fist bump. Way to go, Dave. That was so cool. He's like, I know. That green light, that go light. I'm like, it's called a go light, Dave. He's like, okay, that go light is so awesome, right? I'm like, yeah, does it, does it do that for you too when you gotta go on and do a live announcement? He's like, no, just for you. I'm like, we need to fix that, you know? And he says, man, we've come a long way from start to senior. I'm like, no, it doesn't smell like stale urine and, and BO at all. And he's like, great. And so we're having this bromantic conversation in the back, right? And we're talking and talking and talking and reminiscing. And all of a sudden, I look up. The goal light's still blue. But there's no video. And the lights are on on the stage. The goal light didn't go. It did not go. So I walk on here. Many of you were here. I walk on about five, 10 seconds late. You guys were mean to me, jerks. Okay, so. Uh, <clears throat> and then after the service, the tech team, some of the tech team walk up to me and say, glitch, am I right? Like, what? It's a one in a million glitch. Like, here's the good news, though, right? Here's the good news. Like, the one happened, so you got a million times before it's gonna happen again. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm never gonna find out, <laughs> ever. I'm never using your stupid goal light again. I can promise you that. So I have a new goal light. My new goal light is Jake Wilkins. He's the cool curly-haired guitar player that usually stands right about here. He's my goal light. He stands back there and he shoves me out when it's time to walk out. It's a little late for a service today. But anyways, I've come to trust more in Jake Wilkins than I do in the dumb goal light. You see, my God, I don't know, like... 
You don't have faith in the go light, but certainly you don't think Jake Wilkins is like certainty, do you? No, I mean, he could mess up, but I still trust him more. What, what I'm trying to say is, is when we talk especially about faith in Jesus, what we often think is we think one direction is a leap of faith, you know? But if I don't make that leap of faith, I'm standing on certainty. That's actually not true. A really good buddy of C.S. Lewis named Sheldon Vonnegut. C.S. Lewis was always trying to get him to put his faith in Jesus. And one day, he describes it like this. There's a gap between the probable and the proved. How was I to cross it? If I were to stake my whole life on the risen Christ, I wanted proof. I wanted certainty. I wanted to see him eat a bit of fish. I wanted letters of fire across the sky. I got none of these. And I continued to hang about on the edge of the gap. It was a question of whether I was going to accept him or reject him. My God, there was a gap behind me as well. Perhaps the leap to acceptance was a horrifying gamble, but what of the leap to rejection? There might be no absolute certainty that Christ was God, but there was no certainty that he was not. This was not to be born. I could not reject Jesus. There was only one thing to do once I had seen the gap behind me. I turned away from it, and I flung myself over the gap toward Jesus. When you talk about faith in Jesus, you're not talking about uh, a choice between certainty and faith. It's faith and faith. You have the faith to accept him? I do. Or do you have the faith to reject him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The thing about God is, okay, at the risk of stating the obvious, God is God, okay? Like when you say trust in the Lord, you're talking about the Lord. The, the Lord, that means he's number one in your life. If he's not, then he's not the Lord. One of the ways that Proverbs describes this over and over again is this phrase, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, which is a kind of an odd phrase if you think about it. Like, does it mean like God gives me the creeps? And he scares the daylights out of me, man, like, whoa. And I know I've preached sermons before and I've talked about the fear of the Lord and I'm like, oh, no, no, no problem. What it really means is awe. It's just awe and wonder, which is true. But if you're new to the Bible or new to church, you might be asking yourself, well, why not just say that then? Why would you call it the fear of the Lord when you mean the awe of the Lord? And I want to describe it to you the best I can because I think it might really help. If you tell me what you fear the most... If you tell me what you fear the most, I'll tell you what you don't want to live without. So if you say you fear rejection the most, I can tell you that what you don't want to live without is you don't want to live without acceptance, without friends, without popularity. If you tell me that what you fear the most is being broke, I can tell you that what you don't want to live without is wealth, money. If you tell me what you fear the most is death, well, I know what you don't want to live without is life, health. And I think we live in a culture where we see that, right? Like, the health and wellness industry is trillions and trillions of dollars. Plastic surgery is a big deal, and a vast majority of plastic surgery is so that someone can look at, look at themselves in the mirror and go, I look younger. Still got a lot of good years ahead of me. That's the point. So let me be clear. Like, there's nothing wrong with health. Of course not. 
There's nothing wrong with money. Of course not. There's nothing wrong with acceptance. Of course not. However, it's a pretty bold statement I have a vote to make. I think if you think death is your greatest fear, I think if you think being broke is your greatest fear, I think if you think rejection is your greatest fear, or public speaking, or snakes, or spiders, or heights, I think you're wrong. I think you think that, but I don't think that is your greatest fear. See, I think what your greatest fear is, is despair. Let let me define despair for you in its purest form. It's an absolute absence of hope. I think that's your greatest fear. It is to live in a universe with absolutely no hope. See, I think we all walk around, whether we know it consciously or not, we walk around and we want answers to the biggest questions of life. Who am I? What am I doing here? Do I matter? What, what happens to me when I die? I think what we fear the most is not having an answer to any of those questions. That's despair. That's living your life with an absolute absence of hope. Who am I? What am I doing here? Do I matter? What happens to me when I die? What I wanna submit to you again is this. If you tell me your greatest fear, and I really believe it's despair, I can tell you what you don't wanna live without. You don't wanna live without God. And the reason I say that is because it's only God that offers questions to, or answers to those questions. Who am I? Oh, you started out in the mind of God. Did you know that? You started out as a dream in the mind of God. He thought you up. He designed you. According to Ephesians chapter two, you're God's masterpiece. He created you in his image. What are you doing here? Well, you were created in the image of God. And earlier I said that Jesus stepped into human history to bring light out of darkness, to bring hope out of despair, to bring joy out of mourning, to bring life out of death. That's why you're here. That's why you exist. Starting with those closest to you, your role in life, you were placed on this planet to be a light bringer, to be a bringer of hope, a bringer of strength, a bringer of joy, a bringer of life. Do I matter? God says you do. The the cost of anything is determined by the price that was paid for that thing. Well, uh, according to God, you're worth sending his one and only son to die for. You really, really matter. What happens to me when I die? According to God, you're going to step into, when you transition out of this existence, you're gonna step into eternity. The Bible calls it eternal life. It's a really radical concept, you think about it. You step into eternity. What I wanna suggest to you is that you currently don't have the capacity to actually take in the amount of love and adventure and joy and laughter and belonging that you will experience when you step into eternity. But the good news is when you step into eternity, your capacity will be exponentially raised. If you tell me your greatest fear, I will tell you what you can't live without. What I want to suggest to you, you, we all at some point need to acknowledge, I need an answer to those questions. I need something that's going to bring me hope and place 
of despair. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I put my faith in Jesus in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta. I, I had come to the end of myself. I, I cried out to Jesus and he saved me, you know? And in, in that moment when I put my faith in him, I, I began to know him. And as I began to know him, I started to trust him. So much so, in fact, <clears throat> that, that I began to follow him one little step at a time. It, it kind of reminds me of this book that I would read a little bit when I was a kid. It's by Dr. Seuss. It's called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. When you get to be a little bit older like me, notice I said a little bit older. When you get to be a little bit older like me, you look back and you think about the places you've gone. I remember when I put my faith in Jesus and that faith became trust, one of the first things that God said is, move from Red Deer, Alberta, and move to the West Coast. See, there's something that you maybe don't know about me because I joke around a lot about it. I love Red Deer. I love it there. Corinne and I went to visit last year and she's like, I can't stand it here. It's just terrible. I'm like, no, 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 no. I love it, I love it, I love it. I love the wheat fields. I love the poplar groves. I love the sunsets. The sunsets in Red Deer go on and on and on because the sun has no place to hide. It just keeps... Speaking of sun, I remember when I first moved out to the West Coast, I asked some people, does the sun ever come out here? <laughs> it's just cloudy every single day. I just remember in Red Deer, during the summer, which was about eight days long, we had, uh, it, would, it, would, it, it would be sunny all day, and then it, at night there would be a thunderstorm, and then the next day you'd wake up, it'd be sunny again. We saw the sun a lot. I guess what I'm trying to say is that my plan wouldn't have been, hey, move from Red Deer and, and, and move out to BC, but it was God's plan. And, and I'm really glad it was, the places you'll go, right? I, I, I started attending this university, Trinity Western University. On the second day there, I met this girl, most beautiful woman I had ever seen. Her name's Corinne. We got married and we still are. Hey, hey, listen to this. Do you know where Corinne's from? We should know that. No, of course you, but you know where she's from? She's from Red Deer. But I never knew her there. See, God had this plan, you know what I mean? It, it wouldn't have been my plan, but it was a good plan. The places you'll go. And Corinne and I get married and we have six kids. That would not have been my plan. But I'm really glad it was his plan. The places you'll go. I remember I was gonna be a lawyer and then I felt like God says be a teacher instead. So I was a teacher and then I was a coach, a vice principal and then a youth pastor and then a pastor. None of that would have been my plan, but it was God's plan and I'm really glad it was the places you'll go, right? I was thinking about the journey that God has taken me on. And some of it's geographic, some of it's relational, some of it's career, but it's so much more than that. 
See, I said this earlier. I said, man, in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta, I got to the end of myself. I think it's probably important to know what that looks like because it describes how some of you watching online are right now. It describes how some, some people in person, how you're feeling right now. See, when I said I was at the end of myself, what I mean is this. If you would have seen me at that time, you would have thought, man, that guy's super confident, except I wasn't, I was profoundly insecure. If you would have seen me at that time, you would have gone, man, that guy's always surrounded by people. He's well-liked. And yet the truth is I felt profoundly lonely. If you would have seen me at that time, you would have at least said, that guy really thinks he's tough. And yet the truth was back then, I felt profoundly afraid all the time. If you would have seen me at that time, you probably would have said, that guy seems pretty angry, and you would have been right. Here's the thing, what I'm saying is this. When you put your faith in Jesus, that, at least for me, that doesn't just go away. It's a pattern that I had been living with for years and years and years. So in that moment when I put my faith in Jesus, I went from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Does that make sense? But the rest of my life, right until today, has been this journey. And it's a journey that the aliveness that's already true of me spiritually would work its way out to the life that I live. That's the journey, the places you'll go, the places you'll go. About a year into our marriage, things weren't going well for Corinne and me. Our marriage wasn't very good. We struggled, and I'm not gonna speak on behalf of Corinne, so I'll just talk about me. I think the big reason was my anger. <clears throat> I never directed my anger at Corinne, but I was a really, really, really angry person. Did I believe in Jesus? Yeah, I did. I did. Spiritually, I was completely alive, but my anger was wrecking my life out here. And I remember sitting in church one day, and the pastor says, hey, we got a baptism coming up next week. Kind of like we do at Southside, by the way. He said, uh, <clears throat> if you haven't been baptized, the Bible says believe and be baptized, so you should. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, that makes sense. That really, really makes sense. See, when I was a little baby, my parents got me baptized. Such a beautiful thing for them to do. It was kind of like when they handed me this Bible, it was a statement of hope and faith. It was a statement of vision and a statement of love when they gave me this Bible. Same thing is true when they got me baptized, but I realized in that moment that what I needed to do now is I needed to honor that hope and that vision and that love, that I needed to make it real for me, believe and be baptized. So when it was Corinne and I were driving home that night or that day after church, and I said to her, you know what? I've never been baptized, Corinne. I need to get baptized next week. And she said, I haven't been baptized either. And so the two of us got baptized the following week. And it radically changed our marriage. Hear me. Of course it did. Of course it did. God's got me on a journey. God has her on a journey. And, and the journey is this, that the aliveness that is already true deep inside of me would be manifest in the life that I live. So of course, when I become more alive, less anger, less insecurity, less loneliness, things begin to change and our marriage radically changed. So I wanna be honest with you, whether you're joining us online or in person, if you have not yet been baptized as a believer, 
we have a baptism coming up next Sunday. Man, I would love it if you would sign up to get baptized. You say, Mike, don't I have to be perfect to get baptized? No, you do not, because I got baptized. If Mike Manis at 23 years old could get baptized, trust me, you can. If you believe in Jesus, if you, begun, if, you, if you started that journey by believing in him, and now you're coming to know him just enough so that you would trust him, it's your next step. It's not your last step, but it's your next step. So if that's you, you can text the keyword DUNK to 604-670-3040. Oh, the places you'll go. He's been, he's still leading me. I guess the last two weeks even, I'm starting to see things a little bit more clearly. I remember first service at 9.30 today, Dave comes on the video screen, he says, hey, we're adding an 8 a.m. service and everyone's cheering and I'm like, shut up, that's really early. I got a cold plunge in the morning and then I gotta come for the 8 a.m. now. I think for a lot of my life as a believer in Jesus, I think for a lot of my life, I still kind of bought into the M&M philosophy, you know? Like I was just looking for my one chance, my one opportunity. That there would be this moment when I would just do something, that I would achieve something, that I would validate myself once and for all, and that would be enough. But even over these last two weeks, it's been hitting me. You know, Jesus said, if you wanna find your life, lose yourself. If you wanna find your life, lose yourself. There's another time somebody asked Jesus, hey, how do I get eternal life? What's the most important commandments? He said, hey, love God and love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. So what does it look like to love God? Trust him, trust him. But why did Jesus throw in love people? See, it's been hitting me lately that my one chance, my one opportunity, my moment, isn't about me at all. What I've been realizing lately is this. If I can help somebody else find healing, you know what I find along the way? Healing. If I can bring joy to someone else, you know what I find? Joy. If I can help somebody else experience the life that they were created to live, you know what I find along the way? The life that I was created to live. See, the truest path to life, the truest path to healing, the truest path to joy, the truest path to seeing the aliveness inside of me break forth into the life I live is to invest in other people. So I know Dave was already up here on the video screen talking about the third service. I get it, it's early, man. <clears throat> so the request that we're making is that you would consider rolling back. Now, having said that, if you are an 1115 person, tried and true, and that's just who you are, and that's the, then keep attending the 1115, absolutely. But if you're like, ah, I don't really care, 930, 1115, would you be willing to just roll back to the 930 if it's all the same to you? Or maybe you're like, man, I, I have been attending the 1115, but I've just always had a secret dream of attending an 8 a.m. service because of, all the, <laughs> because of all the energy and enthusiasm, you know what I mean? It's just gonna be so enthusiastic. Then do that. Do that, please. 
I was sitting down with the staff uh, uh, a week and a half ago and I just said, hey, how many people would it take for us to make sure that everybody who walks through these doors for all three services feels like we prepared for them, that we love them, that we care about them. And they said, we need 72 more people to volunteer. I guess 8 a.m. is pretty early and I get it, right? But for me, here's the issue, is people keep walking through those doors, you know? And they keep meeting Jesus. And then they come to know him. And, And when they come to know him, what happens is they start to trust him. How much? They trust him enough to follow him step by step by step. And that is changing everything in their lives, in their marriages, in their families, in our city. Our city is being changed one life, one story at a time. And so I ask you, would you consider to step up to serve? You say, well, I don't wanna serve at the 8 a.m. No, 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 you don't have to. Just text the keyword serve because we're gonna have people from other services that are willing to go back. If you're willing to serve at the 9.30 or the 11.15, if you could do that, it'd be incredible. Christmas 1987. With faith and hope and vision and love, my parents gave me this Bible and I give it to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. <sighs> the places you'll go. Let's pray. So that's the first step. The first step is putting your faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you would say, man, I don't know everything, but I know enough. Today's the day I wanna start that journey. I wanna put my faith in Jesus. He died for you. He rose again for you. If today is your day, if today is your moment with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand right now nice and high so I can pray for you? Amazing. Incredible. If, if you're watching online and it's safe to do so, please raise your hand also. Okay, if your hand's up, you can put it down. I'm gonna pray out loud. Just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Today I put my trust in you. I pray that you would lead me one next step at a time out of my past into life. Forgive my sins, heal my hurts. And thank you that in this moment right now, because of you, I'm absolutely, completely, totally spiritually alive. I pray that that would play out in the rest of my life also. And God, for the rest of us, for people like me who have been following you for years and years and years, we come to you today and we affirm we are so incredibly thankful that you're not done with us yet either. We just wanted you to know, Jesus, I I know that you know this, but we wanted to confess it. We still need you. We still need you. We still trust you. We still trust you. We, we still say, hey, would you please give us one next step so we could take it? We love you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. 
And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.